Hi, I'm Kimmy Robertson. Hey, Ben, this is David Duchovny. Twin Peaks is over 30 years old. There's so much more to learn about Twin Peaks. I, we recommend you pick up our book, Twin Peaks Unwrap the Book, to find out even more about the show that you love. We have tons of great stuff. We have over 100 interviews. We have commentary from the community. We have us. We have some great photos that have never been seen by most folks. I think if you're a diehard Twin Peaks fan, you're going to absolutely love this book, and you will definitely learn something new. So pick it up at bluerosemag.com. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. Welcome to this week's edition of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Brian Kazoski, and beside me as always, Ben Durant. Ben, today's going to be an awesome, exciting episode. You know why? Why? Because we have our friends, David Bushman and Arthur Smith. They wrote a book called Twin Peaks FAQ, and we met them at the Great Southern. Yeah, it was really cool. They're good guys. Yeah, and we were lucky enough to wrangle them in. To do a podcast with us. All right, we're on the phone with David Bushman and Arthur Smith, and they just wrote the new book, Twin Peaks FAQ. Hey, David and Arthur. Hey, guys. Hi, it's guys. really a pleasure to be uh, on your podcast. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we had the opportunity to meet you in person, and that was fantastic, too. So, you know, I got this book, I think, about a month ago, right before we went to the Great Southern. And I didn't really know what I was getting. I mean, like, the title is Twin Peaks FAQ. And I don't know if other people assume this, but I'm like, okay, this book is going to be like, who put the fish in the percolator? I thought it would be like maybe just questions, but this is a really dense full. You guys really did your research. I mean, it's, it's a really cool book. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, that's yeah. really kind of you to say. Yeah, so, I mean, how did, how did this come about? The story about how it came about is just we work at the Paley Center for Media. We've both been here. You know, Arthur, I think, has been here, what? 17 years or something like that. I think it's coming up on 20. Mm. Yeah. Wow. 25 for me. So we, you know, have been, you know, we're basically television historians is mm. what we do and sort of culture observers and uh, we write about it all the time and we both love Twin Peaks but in fact there are many things that we love and our first, so we approached this publisher, Applause, which kind of specializes in entertainment books and we gave them like 10 ideas. So we had ideas like you know, some Stephen King stuff on there and superhero stuff and all this kind of uh, cult stuff. And mm. they loved the idea of the superheroes, but it turned out that, that they were nervous about Marvel and DC and and um, photo payments, that they would be, go through the roof. Oh, wow. And so in the time that, that they got back to us and said, we want to do superheroes, and then they found out from their lawyer that it wasn't a good idea, Twin Peaks... Lynch and Frost tweeted that we, they were coming back. And then, mm. so we said to them, well, what's option two on your list? And they said to us, you know, Twin Peaks has suddenly jumped to the top of our list, which was great for us because we both love the show. And, and, you know, one cool thing about it, too, is there's this very, you know, it's like 29 episodes. So, you know, it, you can really go into deep, you really deep dive on something that's 29 episodes mm. because... You don't have to cover as much chronology and things. Mm. Yeah, that's right. true. And it's, it's interesting what you said about you weren't sure what book you were getting because 
I mean, the applause people, uh, the the publisher we worked with, have, have been great. But um, I, I think maybe that the perceived format of the book might not really accurately convey what kind of thing we were doing. And maybe we erred on the side of just kind of taking this opportunity to write the book we wanted to write. Mm. Uh, but but you're right. It's not it's not like a fact book or a trivia book or a, a quiz book or anything like that. It's it's really um, the kind of book that we as fans of TV shows would like to have to read along with our favorite TV show. It does have interesting historical tidbits and things like that, but it, it's it's really a sort of, you know, two fans who've really studied this stuff seriously and, and have spent many years trying to figure out how to present this information in an engaging way, finally having the chance to really go all in on something. So, you know, we really loved it, but what we hope is that people who are fans of the show find that the book is really not just sort of a fun ancillary novelty but something that can really enhance their appreciation of it yeah but you know that that said i mean one of the coolest things that people say to me that i love more than anything is there was um this woman stephanie who we met in in dc at awesome con who who said who tweeted us or facebook messaged us that she was laughing out loud reading the book and and that made Mm. me feel really really good because i think we wanted it to be a fun you know an faq can sound like a really dry thing but but we really wanted people people to have fun reading it and and you know when people tell us that they are having fun and Courtney Stalling said the same thing, and that that's like, you know, really makes us feel good. They didn't say it was they were they were looking at David's author photo, um, but we'll we'll take whatever we can get. <laughs> they were probably reading my jokes as well. Uh, <laughs> but I love that you kind of cover everything. I mean, you cover the music, of course. You cover the the series. You cover books and magazine, and and I, I we did a whole show on on homages and the parodies, the parodies, and I love that you guys really got into that. And there's things that I didn't really haven't really learned a lot about, like Wise Guy TV show and what really interests you did you guys learn anything new that you maybe didn't know before about Twin Peaks I, I think what struck me I, um, putting that section together was just what what really the cultural impact of Twin Peaks was in its time hmm. it was just and I mean and, and of course some of these homages and, and tributes and stuff have happened you know up till now people are still referencing it but at the time it would pop up just as sort of a signifier of someone who's maybe supposed to be kind of hip or on the cutting edge like if you're on Beverly Hills 90210 <laughs> they'd say like oh this outfit is very Twin Peaks Hillary on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air strangely references the show a few times wow the so- places you would never expect to see Twin Peaks uh, would pop up just because it was such a, a buzz worthy sort of phenomenon you know what surprised me. One thing that's cool about that too is, I mean, I, it's not in the book because we didn't find out about. I didn't read this until later. But last week there was a story in the New York Times about the sister of the star of the French national soccer team playing in the championship game this weekend against against Portugal, uh, and she was in the theater in Paris when there was attacked by the terrorists, and she survived it mm-hmm. by just pretending that she was dead. But they mentioned that she had a. Um, Twin Peaks tattoo on her arm. So it does pop up everywhere. It's really amazing. The thing that I would say that I love, I mean, there were things that I learned not not so much relating to uh, homages, but uh, what kind, kinds of things like this. Like I, in research, I I watched a documentary on Lynch that I'd never seen before, and he talks about when he was at AFI, he was really enamored with this French hyper-realist film that he saw that had uh, scenes. He said the scenes that made the most impression on, on him were scenes uh, in a slaughterhouse, in a Paris slaughterhouse, and the um, what they were slaughtering was a white horse. Hmm. So to me, that was like clearly. I had never seen anyone reference that before, and to me, that clearly had to be playing into. Uh, 
the the whole idea of these white horses in, mm. in the film and the and the TV show. So yeah. stuff like that, you know, the deeper you dive in, the more you learn, and it's really kind of fun. With you both working at the Paley Center, you guys have archives of like all sorts of TV shows. Whether it be it could have been Letterman talking to David Lynch, or you could have been Kyle McLaughlin on Saturday Night Live. Did you guys look at any of this, or did? Uh, yeah, was there stuff that Paley Center had that you guys could use for your book? We do have great stuff. I mean, including a, an event we actually did with David Lynch hmm. uh, around the time of his uh, on on the air show. Very strange event for us, but <laughs> memorable. But yeah, sure, we go back and uh, but but you know, in the course of our work, we we ended up seeing a lot of this stuff um, just incidentally, you know, over the years, many times. So uh, yeah, we definitely did make use of, of the Paley Center as a resource. Now. Uh, you know, we had two things that one, two things we did that were Lynch themed. One Arthur mentioned, and what's really cool about that that thing with on the air is it, it was just on the air had been made, and ABC was giving them a hard time for a change mm-hmm. and not putting and not putting it on the air. And but I think they had just kind of uh, give decide they were giving it an air day. I think they wound up airing three of them, and they never mm-hmm. had the others. But yeah. uh, he was in he was in a can. Uh, with, of all things, Fire Walk With Me. So we actually closed, uh, satellited him in from yeah. from there. And he did all this weird stuff where he was like having the cameraman rotate the camera 360 <laughs> degrees so it looked like he was turning around and they had somebody pulling, tugging at his tie to make it look like that. And he was being kind of playful with his answers. And hmm. he was he was great. And, you know, uh, you know Miguel Ferrer was there. Hmm. And I guess so... Um, but what's cool about it is he was it was right before he screened Firewalk with me, and he had just won like the Palme d'Or for uh, I guess it was Wild at Heart, and you know he was really riding high, and this was this period of time where uh, it was right before uh, you know he came crashing down because mm-hmm. because Firewalk with me was so decimated by people at Cannes and also then critics domestically. And the other event we had that I mentioned to you guys in Connecticut was um, 1990, uh, we did an event with, um, before again, before Twin Peaks went on the air, like a month before it went on the air, we had Kyle McLaughlin, Mark Frost, um, Michael Ankin was there, uh, Joan Chen was there. So uh, that was a really cool event because Twin Peaks had not even gone on the air yet. That's awesome. That's you know, yeah. so if I went to the Paley Center, would I be able to check these things out? Like what I both be- of them, yeah. Wow. wow. That's really cool. Yeah. I, definitely, I gotta go yeah, there just yeah, for I know. that. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. So for Firewalk With Me, uh, it had been booed. Can't I think of his Quentin name? Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. You guys have a quote in the book that I had never seen where he... He said that Lynch was too far up his own ass and that he yeah, was never exactly. gonna watch a, a um, Lynch film again. That seems yeah, exactly. pretty crazy for Quentin Tarantino to say that. Imagine Quentin Tarantino crazy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I always thought him be a little more open-minded, but like to him to be like to actually say that about the film. I but mean, maybe he was he felt burned by the film. I've recently learned something interesting about Cannes, which is the, the thing with an audience sort of um, getting very demonstrative with booing movies hmm. is is kind of is kind of a tradition there that that means something a little different. It's not so mean spirited. It's often seen as. A sign that it's a movie that has sort of disrupted expectations or really crossed the boundary. It's not necessarily hmm. how we interpret it as we reject this as not, as not good. Hmm. Uh, but I, I think that he he went into a press conference afterward, and the critics were really hard on him. And critics even in America were really hard. I mean, Roger hmm. Ebert and and David Lynch had that. You know, I don't think Roger Ebert liked 
was there any David Lynch movie that he liked? I think he liked one of them, Arthur. I can't remember. Uh, he might have liked The Straight Story. He really did not like Blue Velvet. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that guy such an, was such an overrated critic. But uh, He's the most important critic who is wrong the most. <laughs> How do you make a book like this? I mean, you definitely knew that you were going to talk about music and books, and that you even talked about other movies like Vertigo. How do you come about and lay this all out into a book? It was an evolving process. Like Initially, we sat down and sort of came up with a list of topics that we thought were were no-brainers or just what sort of occurred to us initially. Like, you know, well, we'll talk about the episodes, the characters, the themes, the mythology, music, clothes, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, in the course of sort of researching that stuff, you discover interesting tangents or uh, something will lead to somewhere that you weren't expecting and you think, oh, there's more here to talk about. Or you sort of notice, like in the case of Vertigo or Laura, that these references are piling up. And after a while, you're like, oh, this is a significant sort of uh, symbol in here or a or reference or something. So, uh, you know, we, we kind of took our best shot at guessing where we'd want to focus and then sort of letting the research guide us. Um, after starting from that point. Yeah, two things I also want to add to that. First, you talk about the benefits of working at the Paley Center. I mentioned in the book that in the 60s that ABC, the network that aired Twin Peaks, did a remake of Laura, hmm. and it starred uh, Lee Radswell, who was Jackie Onassis' sister. And it's, it's notoriously, uh, you know, criti- again, that's an example of where critics absolutely decimated decimated uh, the show, and it was written, co-written by Truman Capote, who was good friends with Lee Radzwan. It was supposedly just kind of like this vanity thing for her because she wanted to get into acting, and it was just totally excoriated. So we actually have that, so we were able to watch that again, and that was kind of cool to add that to the part on, about the Preminger film from the 40s. And the other thing that's kind of interesting was like, you know, this sounds kind of ridiculous, but... We constantly thought, Arthur and I kept saying to each other, well, what do you think of this? And the other one would say, well, you know, let's just leave it in for now because we'll probably be be over. And, we, you know, you contract for a certain number of words. And we just kept saying, we'll probably be over and we'll take it out later. And it turned out we were like, all these words short. So it, we kind of had to, like, reassess what we, you know, we, we wanted to put in. So, you know, it was kind of a, it put, it kind of, um, forced us to make certain adjustments, which I think are for the better, like Laura and Vertigo, for example, were not originally in, but it gave us the opportunity to do some more ancillary stuff. That's going to be a big undertaking. Yeah. I mean, but such a being only a two-season show, I mean. Right. So. I, yeah, like right now we're working on Buffy. It's seven seasons, hmm. three seasons of, of comics, then Angels. And then there's all of David's fan fiction that he wants to put in. Yeah, <laughs> I want to put my fan fiction in. Do you think you'll do episodes, like like an episode guide piece like you did for uh, Twin Peaks FAQ? Is that the... We won't. We, we, won't. we okay. can't. Yeah, we can't. Uh, we'll do We'll do, I think what we've sort of settled on for now is looking at the major arc. So like season one, you talk about things like how the the master was the big bad and things like that. We'll highlight key episodes, but we'll, we'll yeah. have the room to go through every month. Yeah. yeah. And with Buffy, frankly, you know, that's, that's probably for the best because mm. it's uh, a long serial and you know, inevitably there are peaks and troughs. And, yeah. Uh, but uh, yes, yeah, I think we're going to be a little more general. Yeah. What I like uh-huh. about Twin Peaks FAQ is that you have like a little description about each episode and you maybe make jokes and you give a little detail here and it, they're short but usually it's not it's not bland. It's not like mm. you know Cooper 
Cooper, you know, did the, had a dream or something like that. But it's it's more it's you got a little bit of rich detail of like okay, here you're talking about Dick offers Lucy sixty six hundred and fifty dollars. Take care. Yeah. And yeah, but I mean, <laughs> right. it, it's nice though. I mean, I like that. It's like something that I will go back to, and it it could be a good reference to remember what episode, but also have a little laugh about it. The episode. Yeah, so it's, it's a nice touch. My favorite is when Arthur falls asleep <laughs> writing about uh, James and Donna. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I was going to say, I really appreciate that. Um, that's sort of exactly the you know, response we're hoping for. An episode recap can really err on the side of being sort of a book report summary. Our hope is that you remember the episode and you read this and you're like, I noticed that too, that bugged me too, or, mm. oh yeah, that part's hilarious, or, yeah, that's right, that, is, that scene does kind of you know, echo something that happens later. And, and as I was saying earlier, hopefully it's something that doesn't just sort of serve as a reference or, or a or something to chuckle at a little bit that actually can sort of uh, deepen your relationship with the show, too, if, if, if you like what we have to say. So this seems like a great time to be, have a book out. I mean, we're only we're less than a year, hopefully, to the new series. It's just perfect timing. I mean, I think you guys mentioned that it, came, that it became the top of your list because the, the series was announced. It did. You know, we actually, before they pushed it back a year, we thought it was going to kind of coincide with the mm. premiere of the Showtime show. And now we're kind of hoping that they, they ask us to update it when, uh, you know, when the new show comes out. Because... Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, we had a really bad moment when uh, we had a really bad moment when Lynch yeah. was saying, "Ah, we're not going to do it." Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, it's it's funny you bring that up because I think when we were doing this podcast, originally we, we were doing it because of the series. And I think we were we were just starting to do the show when uh, yeah. when Lynch said he wasn't going to do it. And it's like, oh, okay, I guess we'll do this podcast. But there's going to be no show. But, yeah. so you I, wait, so you guys started the podcast because it was going to be uh, – yeah. is that why you started it? Well, I mean, it, what happened was it was, it was it was my birthday. I got the Blu-ray and Brian was at my birthday party and I was like we should do a podcast and by that time they had also announced that the series was coming so it just felt like the right time to do it and I had gotten the Blu-ray for Christmas and but I watched hadn't it. watched yet I was waiting because I knew Ben was such a fan and he there was like an inkling of something could happen so I was like I'm gonna wait to watch this right. and then Ben's birthday is in March and he's just like let's do the podcast and then yeah. it will allow you to watch a show and we can do this together. Yeah. And, I think my party yeah. was in March and my birthday is April 1st. Are it, you guys going to do the new episodes? Yes. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. we plan on every week, if we can, do the show yeah. of the new episode every week. Wow. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Scott yeah. Ryan's Red Room podcast interview with Sharon Fence. She's saying that if people embrace it, that she thinks Lynch would do more. I believe that, David. What do you think? I think I do feel like it could be a continuation. I mean, I know... Lynch is older, but I feel like he might want to keep going. You know, it surprised me to hear it, but, I, it, you know, I, it, I certainly think it's possible. I mean, he clearly has always talked about how much he loves the town. He loves the people. He loves Laura. And, you know, I don't know how he's going to keep working Laura into it, but, um, you know, he you know, he's spoke over and over and over again about how much he loves Twin Peaks. So, yeah, and he's also had a very difficult time, you know, finding a way to work. Mm. Yeah. Um, so if he's found a situation where there's a company like Showtime that's providing the support that he needs to make what he wants to make, I think that could be a huge factor. Well. I feel like it might be 18 episodes yeah. broken up over two, two seasons, seasons, and if yeah. it's popular enough, I could see them continuing it. But yeah. Who knows? It's also it's like a really weird time to be a Twin Peaks fan because for all these years we've kind of, you know, been been um, immersed in this show that you know aired 
like 25 years ago mm. and was part of history and now all of a sudden it's part of the present and the 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 um you know you know he's got hundreds of new cast members new episodes and it's just going to you know even the festival that they do out in Snoqualmie i mean it's just a completely it's just about i think we're on the cusp of Twin Peaks fandom meaning something completely other than what it does right now. Yeah. These yeah. days are going to almost seem quaint to us, I think. You know? I agree. And I had a, uh, do you guys think uh, when we were at Kineticon this past weekend, I was, me and Ben were talking about, you know, Twin Peaks doesn't seem to have a lot of merchandise. I mean, do we, yeah. do we, do you guys think with the new show, there'll actually be official merchandise coming up to kind of, I mean, I don't know. I know David Lynch is not his thing, but Showtime is going to want to promote this with, like, you know, those pop doll figures, which they make one of every character known to mankind. Yeah. I could yeah, see right. Twin Peaks coming out. I mean, do you guys think this is something they'll do? Or do you think Lynch might kind of not want that to happen? I have no idea, but my sense is that he's somebody that so values having creative control over, you know, every aspect of his, of his work that. Uh, I can't imagine he'd be happy seeing like corny coffee mugs in the Showtime store, you know, mm. uh, with it, like wrapped in plastic written on it or something. I don't know. It doesn't sound likely to me that there'd be kind of the typical officially licensed merchandise. They did make some stuff back in the day, mm. and um, that, that was yeah, that was authorized and like that Gazette and stuff. But um, he, somebody in Brad Dukes' story, Reflections, which of course is a fantastic book. Mm. Um, said tells a story i think it's in reflections that um or else it's wrapped in plastic but tells a story about how lynch freaked out when somebody went to him with that idea for the twin peaks athletic department uh, <laughs> shirt which i have for oh, wow. some reason that that really bothered him wow. uh where some of this other stuff didn't but uh, i was also going to say the other thing is that they may put that in the contract, or at least they may have tried to put that in the contract, mm. because kind of like, you know, a lot of contracts, they obligate you to do certain things to promote your show. So yeah. um, I don't know uh, what's going to happen with that, but you, you tend to think that there's going to be stuff, you know, I mean, in today's day and age, but maybe not. Yeah. And I kind of consider uh, Mark Frost's new book, Merchandise, I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a tie-in. Yeah. No, oh, I, I agree. True. That's it. That is coming straight from the co-creator, though. So, mm. you know, I think... I think they're the ones that are making it. They, I could see stuff like that happening. Another thing I could see as being likely is, like, you remember Banana Republic put out a whole line of Mad Men inspired sort of suits and ties oh, and stuff. Yeah, and it, you know, it wasn't officially Mad Men uh, branded. I could see people sort of like jumping on the bandwagon to exploit the Twin Peaks mm. sort of style and sensibility if it does hit big. Yeah, you know, Bloomingdale's did that back in the day and when they when they came out in, in the 90s uh that that's the other thing you know we don't know how it's going to um so is this going to i mean that's a really good question is it going to is it going to resonate beyond i mean you know Winch is still something i mean correct me if you disagree but isn't he something of an acquired taste i mean I agree. movies so is it going to resonate I mean, people are going to love it. Like, I'm going to love it. If David yeah. Lynch is directing it, I'm going to be totally, uh, you know, I'm going to at least be totally fascinated by it. And, and there's no way, I, I can't imagine not liking it, but 
is it going to catch on the way something like Mad Men did, or does it have to? Does it only have to catch on with tastemakers, I guess? What do, what do you call them, the, the people who are the critics or the people? And then, you know, are they going to start giving him a hard time if he doesn't solve the murder fast enough? And, yeah. You know, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's going to, how it's going to, I think I'm going to love it, and I think it's going to be great, but I don't know what sort of cultural phenomenon it's going to be. What do you think about that, Arthur? Well, you know, I think if anyone can do it, it's David Lynch. You know, if there is a uh, an American poster boy celebrity for surrealism uh, in pop culture, it's him. So, you know, he's got the advantage of uh, name recognition and people having heard of Twin Peaks, but I don't know. It's a much more crowded field today. You know, uh, there are many more viewing options available than there were in the early 90s, and maybe it's just going to find the people who are inclined to look at it anyway. You know, impossible to say. I don't know. Yeah, I, think for, I think he could catch lightning in a bottle again. He's done it multiple times. But like for like Ben and Brian, like if he's if he's making episodes like with where the waiter takes 20 minutes to cross the room and yeah. you know yeah. uh you've got people speaking in, in backward and yeah. stuff i mean right. is that gonna you know is that gonna reach some sort of well, cultural maybe they should uh they should just put it on adult swim <laughs> right right well here's yeah. the, here's the thing right is that in. like if if showtime i don't know if showtime cares about ratings i imagine they do if showtime can get the numbers of the last episode episode 29 of twin peaks if they can get the same ratings which considered back then in 91 that's considered a flop for their ratings but if they can get ratings that were back in 91 to the today that would be considered a success that's absolutely true yeah and um for me like it's weird none of my friends watch twin peaks i i mean ben um, I'm not your friend. <laughs> no, no, no. But what I'm saying is like, yeah, Ben's not my friend. He's paying me to be here. No, no. But what I'm saying is like, I had like I had one friend I knew grew up who watched Twin Peaks, and that was it. And I I knew the show because of him, and remember seeing it on TV, but I never got into it. And then when Ben, we were like, let's do the podcast. But none of my friends that I see on a regular basis other than Ben watches it and nor do they really seem to care. And it's interesting to me, especially when we did the um, panel, younger people saying, I gave it a shot on Netflix mm -hmm. and either I liked it a lot or I didn't. And I, a part of me feels this season three. I mean, I'm, I'm a hundred percent invested. I know I'm going to like, like, like you said, David, if, if Lynch is doing it, I'm very excited, but I think younger people, or people who, who never heard of Twin Peaks are going to watch it, and they might be turned off. Maybe. And it might not be their thing. Yeah. And I feel like it, it is a niche. It yeah. is a niche show. It really is. And, David, it was interesting. You know, we, we recently went to the uh, Kineticon, and it was interesting to see the audience and have some young people that probably weren't even born when the yeah. show came out. And you're like, how did you find out about it? And they watched it through Netflix. But there, there's a whole new generation of people watching it, I think. But those, I think th those people are going to be the ones to word of mouth. I hope those people see season three and they say, "Hey, you got to check this out." Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think we're all definitely rooting really hard for it. That thing at Kineticon was real interesting because, like you said, uh, there were people. I think there are people who weren't even born when Twin Peaks was on who go to the festival. Hmm. But yeah. well, the amazing thing to me was that that guy at at Kineticon who <laughs> watched the first season. And the whole first season, yeah, and still, and decided not to watch the second season, and still doesn't know who called Laura killed Laura. Yeah, yeah. No, I, can't, no. I can't, I can't even imagine. 
He's not dying to know who killed Laura. Right. And I think they were turned off by this. Uh, there was the one one guy that was turned off by the, the season premiere, and it was yeah. like, I'm done and stuff. And it's like, oh, if you only could hang in there a few more episodes, eight episodes, seven episodes. That could be that. That That's the kind of, I mean, people, I think, are more like there's more options, like you're saying, but people are more picky. And if people aren't into something for, you know, they don't want to invest so much time we have a short attention span yeah yeah Yeah. i mean well here's the thing you know what what makes me worry that this might not catch on in a in a big way with the general audience is not only do we have so many more options uh about what to watch but we at this point become trained to just expect uh whatever we want on demand right now yeah and uh, that i think extends to storytelling and character beats that people are expecting to see you know when when a new Avengers movie comes out and two characters don't have a, a confrontation that fans are expecting, people are up in arms and hmm. furious. You know, they feel like they've been personally cheated out of some implicit promise that somehow was made to them. So I think Lynch has always been someone who's sort of delighted in defying audience expectations and making you wait for 20 minutes while that waiter crosses the room. <laughs> and that, that's part of the deal you make with him when you go into one of these things. He's not going to spoon feed you the cool fun, weird stuff that you like on your schedule. Yeah. Um, But that being said, I do think that people that have the biggest influence on culture, you know, uh, bloggers, people who write about media and stuff like that, they're all going to be paying a lot of attention and talking about it a lot, I think. So I I think it's going to have a big profile, regardless of what the real raw numbers of people tuning in to watch it are. You know, I agree with that, but what scares me is, you know, look what they did to Twin Peaks the first time around. So... If it's not, because I think a show like Mad Men didn't have huge numbers, so I agree with you that you don't need those numbers, but mm-hmm. you need you need that that critical uh, embrace and yeah, it's all cultural I, cachet. I mean, but I don't know, you know, that worries me because look, like I said, look what they did the last time, and you know, I you know, I think our you know the our crit our critics, there are some great critics and there are some horrible critics, and it's it's an advantage the way things are now too because ABC needed. You know, or was was hoping for Twin Peaks to to please thirty million people, and Showtime mm. doesn't have to do that. And do you yep. think star power? I mean, we've got some, there's definitely some people on the the list of cast that are I think are considered still considered stars. Yeah. And I think people might tune in just to see you know c- certain people. You know, here's the thing: you learn working at the Palace Center because you have to uh, decide whether or not to recommend some that we do something or not. Mm. And you know, it's like. And and one of the things you look at, I mean, you you of course you're looking for quality and you're looking for cultural resonance and and all of that. But you know you 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 want to sell tickets too. You know you don't want to you want people to come because you don't want these people on the panel to sit in front of no audience. Yeah. So uh, one thing I've learned is I can't predict audience. You know, yeah. I mean I can't predict the, like you know don't you look at a cast and you say of course people are going to come see mm. this person or that person and it's amazing how many times. You get surprised. Like Naomi Watts is a huge star to me. Yeah, like, yeah. I would I would watch probably anything with Naomi Watts. But is that how many people feel that way? I don't know. Hmm. You know? Yeah, that's true. David David likes to program things uh, at work according to what actresses he might be able to meet. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, hey, you say that like it's a bad thing. That's but, a great uh, idea. That's, yeah. that's why we do this podcast. Yeah, so right. We meet all these people. <laughs> we get to talk to David uh, and, Bushman. Yeah, now, right. We just got up. Oh, I'm sorry. If David Lynch does what he does, which we love, in a younger audience who is not used to that, or even an older audience. Who's like, what? What is this? Is not instant gratification like uh, 
uh, Game of Thrones or Walking Dead or one of these big shows are. Um, even Walking Dead pissed off their audience, and I personally thought it was a great cliffhanger. I thought it was a cliffhanger um, where they didn't give us the satisfaction of telling us who who died. What? Somebody died at you? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, but Twin Peaks, that's something they did, obviously, with Laura's murder, and people got upset, but that's what Lynch does. And I think in this day and age, the critics can turn on you because Walking Dead, everybody was praising it, but then all of a sudden this season... They didn't give us what we wanted, and it was just like they attacked the creator and the uh, the showrunner all summer long. And if- I think that's I think that's a great example. They did it too. I mean, a lot of people say the show was terrible anyway, but they did it with uh, the killing, the first season of the killing. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is heavily derived from Twin Peaks, by the way. Yes. Yeah, and so I agree with you know. Brian and Arthur both about that. I feel like, you know, they 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 feel like there's some, you know, there's some sense of entitlement. I think on the part of the viewer okay, now. So it's millennials. It's the <laughs> damn millennials. <laughs> well, you got two of my kids in that group, so I'm not going along with that. But um, I think it's uh, I don't know what it is. First yeah. of all, I mean, yeah. anybody has access now to. You know, to I mean, there's a the platform. Box Populi of the internet, yeah. Box Populi, right? Yeah. But um, I think the, the the good news here is that this this new Twin Peaks is in the can, so yeah, right. it's not like they're going to go back and and bow to pressure and change things or what. I mean, it's done. We're going to get what we get. Oh, I think yeah. that's a great thing. Me yeah. too. Yeah. And that's what they that was the model for the first season. The first season was like that. Yep. They, they they basically they yeah. filmed everything, they edited everything before even the first episode aired, which it, I. Yeah, it yeah. just makes me scared that, like, it, it. I don't want it to turn into the Walking Dead situation where maybe the first part of the season ends and something is not wrapped up or you're not getting – David Lynch is not going to give you what you want. And people who are not used to this, it could be – they could turn on the show. Hopefully there's a beginning, middle, and ending. So yeah. it doesn't matter really. I mean, it's, I know. It's, hopefully but there's pe- – I know, but it just seems like nowadays people get really upset for really <laughs> silly things. I remember uh, when I was younger, you know, who shot Jr. Right, and you didn't know who shot Jr. for the whole su- the whole summer, right? And that right. I my parents talked about that, and they're like, when Walking Dead this happened, people were so upset, and I'm like, but that's what a cliffhanger is. Right. You don't know what it's going to happen, and right. I think people are so used to no, and they're you know they were like people get maliciously like they're they take it personally like yeah yeah, like they own it but it's funny you mentioned uh, jr because of course that's what cooper was the end of this first season yeah cooper gets shot shot and then people are like who shot cooper Cooper. and stuff and it was it seems to be a ripoff of dallas yeah so definitely definitely it's gonna be interesting how this season three your book another thing is great is you got a lot of good pictures in here in, in in the book and uh, can you share anything about how you guys got these uh, photos? Well, the best photos were taken by Richard Beamer. I mean, he, he you know, the guy who played uh, Ben Horn, and he, um, he when, when they found out the show was being canceled, he spent, like, the last weeks on the set documenting all this amazing behind-the-scenes mm. stuff, these black-and-white uh, photos of characters, of the actors, and in... Uh, he captured something about them that was so um, interesting and different from the way that I think you typically were used to seeing them. So 
uh, but yeah, they're, they're, stunt- very, they're very potent photographs. He's, mm. he's not just taking snapshots. He's, he knows what he's doing. He's a very artful photographer. Yeah, and I think you already mentioned about how, like, they, I think they were going to re, they were going to use uh, Josie. They had a double, and I think there was, I think there was rumors about it, but you only really knew that there was actually an actress who played Josie for, I don't know what was going to be used for the final, what they were going to do with it, but mm. that that uh, Richard Beamer actually did photograph her. The thought is that Josie was going to be sort of stuck halfway between the, the Red Room and the, and the Great Northern. Hmm. And they had a, a double, a body double for Joan Chen, actually on set, and then Costin, who was going to be her body, I guess, essentially. And Beamer recorded that on film, but of course, you never saw that happen in the show. The thing about Twin Peaks fans is they are, like, amazing. They're so generous. Like, people like, so Peter Dom, who runs Welcome to Twin Peaks, hmm. gave us a bunch of photos. Misha Cronin, who loves, who who uh, runs Twin Peaks Archives, gave us Scott Ryan, who does Red Room podcast and mm-hmm. just did that documentary about the festival uh, voyage to Twin Peaks. He gave us photographs. John Thorne let us use whatever we wanted wow. in terms of images from wrapped in plastic. Um, and even now, when I mentioned we're doing this um, trivia thing in New York, and I reached out to to people through this Renette's Bridge, which is this. Facebook group that was created for people who went to the festival last year, and I reached out to them to send uh, prizes, and people like Melissa Jolk and a bunch of other people, Chris Matthews, they, they all responded, and so some of the photographs you see are just from fans, and, and Rob and Deanne Lindley, from who run the festival, sent me a photo of, of Mount Si, the real Twin Peaks, um, so Twin Peaks fans are, are you know, just and you guys too. I mean, Twin Peaks fans are just incredibly generous with each other. That doesn't. I mean, I know that you know it's not perfect. There are mm. some, there's some there's some uh, friction and competition, but for the most part, I think that it's a really special, generous group of people. And um, you know, I don't think you can say that about every show. That's yeah, we really do have a point. wonderful community. We really have a great community. Yeah. That's true. And I was going to say to that point, you know, we're talking about what if you know uh, your average TV fan tries the new Twin Peaks and they don't get it, they don't like it or whatever. Okay, so we'll keep it, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something kind of cool about that in a way, too. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. It's ours. Yeah. 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 I, think, yeah. I believe we're going to get a bigger community, though. I think, I think it's, so. I think there's going to be a lot of people interested in this show, and I, I'm looking forward to it. We're on the Twin Peaks Reddit page, and recently mm-hmm. there's been an explosion of people going, watching it for the first time, I need help. But they're giving it a shot, and they're saying, "Hey, I don't, I don't get it. Help me out here." <laughs> and um, I think it's really cool because right. people, you know, they'll help each other out. Like, hey, if you don't get it, at least you're giving it a shot, and you're wondering why you're not getting it. Yep. And can you help? Me? You know, so it's kind of interesting. Tell people how. Where can you get the book? Well, certainly get it online at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. You can get it uh, at at you know most book dealers. Out there, it's very, it's very accessible, very out there. Uh, you know, Plus is a well-established publisher, and you know they work with retailers all the time. You can also get it on their website, Applause. Hmm. But uh, the Amazon price is really good right now, so you might want to go there. Yeah, yeah, I got a great deal on, on it. You know, good. Which, I'm glad. And if, <laughs> yeah. if you go into like any Barnes and Noble, go to their TV and film section, you'll see a bunch of the FAQ books, and we should be in there. Nice. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, we really appreciate you know the opportunity. To talk about it, it was like I said, it was really great seeing you guys in uh, Richmond, in Connecticut, and being part of the same you know fan communities you guys. Are, and hopefully, we'll have a chance to get together again soon. And that was an awesome show having David Bushman and Arthur Smith. Yeah, on. thanks guys. That was really something. In the book, go get it. 
Twin Peaks FAQ. Twin really, Peaks FAQ. really something. And like, and I, and like I said on the sh- uh, talking with them, I was really surprised. I thought, okay, it's going to be some questions that you know everybody might know, but they really go dive deep into all sorts of stuff. And, and I and I really love their episode guide. It was more. It wasn't a dry episode guide. You kind of they had a lot of good sense of humor with it. So yeah, check out the book. Yeah, if you guys want to leave us a message on Facebook. We're on Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Facebook, we actually are over our 200-like slump. We're beyond 200 likes. This is amazing. Congratulations. Isn't that something? I know. That's cool. 200. Come on. We can get to three. (laughs) Uh, I'll go for 250. That's a good goal. Yeah. But um, people are commenting um, and liking, and our page is happening um, in a bit. And then we're on Twin Twin Peaks Unwrapped on Twitter. Yeah. How's Twitter going? Twitter's awesome. I I mean, it's always... It's always a great a community, and I love what people are sharing and, and talking about. And, yeah, it's a good time. And also, you can write to us at TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com. And holy smokes, we get a lot of good emails. <laughs> I know. We keep saying every week we're going to, like, talk about, like, what people are – the feedback that we're getting. I think I, I think we should not end this show without giving some feedback. Well, Ben, I'm glad you said something because on iTunes – Please give us that five-star rating. We have gotten 17 of them so far. That's awesome. Which is amazing. So thank you. Thank you very much. And you can leave us a comment just like our friend SD did. Um, He left us a message, Guru in the Noob, which I liked (laughs) a lot. That was a cool title. Yes. He says, really enjoying this podcast, the novel approach of having one guy who watched Twin Peaks when it first aired, The Guru. That's you, Ben. Oh. And has seen it many times. Watching it with a guy who knows virtually nothing about Twin Peaks, I'm the noob, that's me, yes. works really well. Now, Ben, my question to you is, why does this work well? I mean, it definitely works well, I think, because it's almost like we get to relive seeing it for the first time. We get to see it through fresh eyes. So, that's, I mean, like, yeah. I, listening to what you have to say, is like, oh, yeah, I remember when I was watching the show, I had all these theories, and I was like, oh, where's it going to go? And so I think it's really it really works because you get to... For people who have seen, who have already experienced it, they get to see it through fresh eyes like yourself, Brian. Yeah. But then I think for other people who, well, it's like, well, I've already seen that. Maybe they want more information. That that guru that That's myself. Guru. Yeah. I think it's fun to be able to say, hey, you might have seen the show, but did you know this? My uh, little fun little facts. Known, yeah, little, little fun known facts. facts. Little known facts. <laughs> yes. I totally agree. And it's sort of like you're reliving your childhood through mm. me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm giving you my uh, my books, yes. my Cooper books. Yes, and I think it is great. And when we were at the Great Southern, and John Thorne listens to our show, right. which we're our minds blown. You, Hi, John. You, especially you. Yeah, especially me, because I'm a fan. when he said, Brian, you've said things I've never thought of, to me, that was a compliment. That I was a, like, that's, wow, that's, that's, that's so cool. Compliment. That's, that's awesome. cool. Yes. And I know a lot of my theories have been blown out of the water, obviously. Yes. I, but it's interesting. Right. Because I didn't know the whole thing. You never know. Annie could have stolen uh, Big Ed, though. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I really thought that was going to happen. I'm so glad it didn't, though. He says the individual episode breakdown are a great way to relive the show, which my question is, why do you think this works in this day and age of wanting to discuss and hear other opinions? I almost feel our show is sort of like uh, an episode of the Week Club. Like, Mm. you could just not listen to any of our extra stuff. And if you were watching Twin Peaks for the first time, and you had no one to talk to about. Because a lot of yeah. sometimes you don't. You right. might be just, you're the only person in your friend circle that likes this. I've been there. Where yeah. you you like something and nobody else wants to talk to you right. about it. So you can kind of listen to us 
with that. And know that there's people out there that have similar interests as yourself. Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. So I kind of look at our show like that, which is really cool. That is cool. Um, so I think it was a great idea, Ben. Oh, yeah. Idea. It's it a was... collaboration. I mean, I yeah. think it, this wouldn't have worked if you suddenly said, I, <laughs> I'm not interested in doing this podcast. Can you so imagine in the middle of that? I'm like, I don't like the show. <laughs> Well, I was worried when you first started. You were like, oh, this is a soap opera. And I was like, yeah, it is a soap opera. <laughs> but, I mean, I hope you still like it. You know, I love it. It yeah. is in my top it's, – it's it's in my top favorite shows. I like weird, quirky stuff. I always have. Mm. But um, when you – in 2016, you watch all these amazing shows. Mm. The, it's like golden age of TV right now. It really is. It's better than movies. Yeah. But you watch Twin Peaks in the beginning, and you have to remember when it came out and what it was based upon. It really was based on soap operas. Yeah. Like Mark Frost says, it's – I want to hit the nighttime soap opera market. Right. You know? So it does feel like a soap opera, but you get sucked in, and then it doesn't. It doesn't feel like that anymore. I think by we got to the end of the show, I never, I didn't feel. Yeah, I mean, I think you know these characters, and I think the show changed over time. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the acting and everything got better. The characters were more developed. People understood their characters. But yeah, I bet you if I listened to that first couple episodes we did, I might be like, wow, what was I thinking? (laughs) SD goes on saying, these guys do a great job. They're really likable once you get to know them in a great Twin Peaks podcast. So thank you, SD. Yeah, thanks a lot. I That's, really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah awesome uh, comment. So please go on iTunes, leave us those comments, and rate us because it would be cool that one day we get a top 50 or something. That'd be really cool. And, and, and yeah. I think we've said it before, but we appreciate the comments so much because, you yes. know, like we're just doing this for fun, but there's a lot of work that goes into, you know, research oh, yeah. and, and yeah, putting yeah. the show together. And just to know that, like, there's people out there who are enjoying this makes it all the world. I mean, it makes it, it oh. makes us keep wanting to do it. Yeah, <laughs> it feeds the fire. Yes. Fire walk with me. <laughs> So, Ben, I think that was an amazing show. We'll be back next week. Yep. Um, do we want to tease next week's show at all, or do we want to keep it a mystery? Ah, keep it a mystery. We'll keep it a mystery. Here's what you should do. is If people are interested, I think we should be posting stuff on Facebook and yes. Twitter, and we, we sometimes give hints at where we're going. That is true. We yes. do do that. So do follow us on all those uh, medias, right. social medias, because we will hint at what we're doing next. Yeah. All right. See you guys next week. We're going to end the show with audio feedback from John Bernardi. He's a longtime listener who's given us a lot of great feedback over the year. Thanks, John. Hi, Ben. Hi, Brian. I love what you guys are doing with Twin Peaks Unwrapped, and the interviews are always fantastic. You know, you're really carrying the torch for Wrapped in Plastic magazine, your respect for, and I mean, really, the way you include the community always leaves quite the impression. I felt for years like I was on some kind of island with my love for Twin Peaks, but you guys keep showing me how many more of us there are, so thank you for that. Uh, One of my all-time favorite inconsequential scenes is Nadine versus Hank in the Hurley living room, and Diane, it's a must-listen podcast from Brighton, England. So I've got an angle here on how the timing of the murder mystery reveal worked, and one for how they could have moved on past it, but you know, obviously didn't. Uh, from the point of view of the network and the average TV viewer of the day, Twin Peaks was presented as a miniseries. It was sold as a miniseries, promoted as one. So when Laura Palmer's murder was not solved, that time clock created by the viewer's expectations made it blatantly obvious that the answer they need is late. You're mad when your Amazon package is two days later than promised? After watching a show for eight weeks, these people were expecting an answer in May of 1990. They got their answer in November, 27 additional 
additional weeks later, over four times longer than what they thought their time investment was going to be. And even that happened under a ton of duress. If the show was sold as an ongoing series, it, been, it wouldn't have been so bad, but, you know, there you go. From the point of view of the people who are running things like a business, I get it. For all the fans who felt like they were promised apples but they got oranges, I get that frustration as well. Now, as a 12-year-old, that didn't bother me at all. I could have hung in there all the way through season two before they solved the murder. And I would have kept watching the whole way, too. But a few episodes after the resolution under the sheriff's station sprinklers, I stopped watching for a while because they took away the backbone of the supernatural and it reverted towards the normal quality of the day. And in my gut, I could tell. Uh, what would have held my interest is if the Tremonts had talked to Donna again. Just a few minutes per episode over the course of five or so episodes, parse out their appearances the same way they did Bob's early appearances, and don't connect it to Cooper right away. He does need to be away from it for a while to recharge the intensity of their interaction, but the supernatural did need to continue to be a force in the show, if for nothing else to maintain that sense of consequence. The Tremonts seem to function as messengers, and since they've established contact with Donna already, she could easily become the recipient for more of their messages. She could mystery her way through it, too, getting help from her best friend's mom, Sarah Palmer, and she could end up delivering a message to the log lady or to the major. And instead of James leaving town to live out a James Dean noir movie before his exit, he could stay in town and get more and more frustrated and helpless as Donna goes more and more nutty, and he can leave town for good after he's finally too overwhelmed. Or, like Jubal suggested over its Parkwood in 21, the Black Lodge can eat him. That'd work, too.